I had a game at Arizona where I, I came pretty close to throwing a no-hitter, which would have been the first in Padres history. And, you know, it just all kind of worked out pretty crazy. The uh, the surgeon that did my TOS surgery was in attendance and you know, <laughs> had him come down to the clubhouse afterwards. And- go guys <laughs> all right welcome back to another episode of champion school champion school we're sitting down with some of the brightest mind of the games chatting a little sports chatting a little life i'm ray mcintyre that is bzb austin byler how you doing busy hey we're matching today baby what do you got on this it loves right. project sandlot hoodies out here come on baby we're doing good how are you doing i'm great i'm great this is comfy uh, i'm excited about the episode today episode today Obviously, Tyson Ross, 12-year big leaguer, big league vet, NorCal native, Bay Area local, uh, Berkeley, I believe. Um, but MLB all-star, journeyman, California native, NFT enthusiast is the other one I didn't hit on. Uh, and a great dude, all-around awesome person. He joins us on the podcast today. Has a lot to talk about, both on the mindset side and how to make it as a 12-year vet in the league. So make sure you stick around with that. First of all, we're going to dive into our college baseball whip around uh, our little segment that we're going to be doing every week, uh, just because we're going to touch on this. When we, if you want to hear more about our NIL guys, our street team, we'll do that on the Sandlot Talk that has released earlier this week. So check it out if you haven't yet. Um, but major headlines, and I'm going to jump over here. Shouts out to D1 Baseball, Texas, number one team in the country, three and one this last weekend. Uh, and they beat LSU, our boys who are currently ranked 12 via D1 baseball. But you saw the stands at that game, didn't you? Insane. It was amazing. We don't even need Major League Baseball back with that environment. That's what I'm saying, man. And they're playing in Houston, I think, is where that tournament was. The Shriners Classic is one of the best tournaments all year uh, in terms of baseball. But if you can get that kind of atmosphere and crowd, like I'm cool with not having you know a non-shifting big leagues and which, no bunting i heard you can't bunt now they're banning bunting i got come on literally five minutes ago said ban mlb pa and mlb or whatever announced that yeah let me read it off that they announced that there's no and maybe this i hope this isn't wrong but yeah <laughs> new york porch sports breaking mlb and mlb pa agreed to ban on bunts in hopes of reaching younger audiences no way all right, uh, gut reaction right it. away. What do you got? Gut Let's... reaction. This is this is horrible. What are we doing, dude? 14-second <laughs> pitch clock, which I can somewhat agree on, but more importantly, no like, way. dude, I don't know about 14 seconds. That's a quick turnaround. I mean, we teach a 15-second funnel, and now that doesn't even fit into the 14 seconds. And so that's ridiculous. Then you go with the bunting. No bunting. You're telling me the reason why people aren't watching – baseball is because of bunting nobody even bunts anyways so why do you ban it dude and there's nothing better than a, a big lefty that just drops one down to beat the the foreign shift now right but i i don't really i don't know man i'm okay with banning the shift because i was a left-handed hitter and i hit a lot of balls into the shift so that one's like i can see that but the automated strike zone taking umpires out of the game 
all this other stuff that they're trying to do, man. I just can't get behind it yet. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm too old school on it, but it just, it feels like it's taken the the joy out of the game. And who doesn't want to see a game inning squeeze or the pitcher who has to force to get the bunt down and you actually got to practice getting a bunt down. Come on. It's. I, dude, uh, for you, for you, you Nevada diehard listeners out there as a former Packer, my first ever knock in college was a walk-off squeeze against UC Davis. Sorry about it, gentlemen. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking at this, no defensive shifts, bigger bases. I'm not seeing nice. the no bunting thing though. I saw one article, only one article that said no bunting. Then maybe it's fake news. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. If they take out the I'm bunting, still rattled. Whack. I'm still rattled that it's even a discussion. I agree. I agree. And the, and the other thing too, is you're going, okay, you're banning the shift. I understand you're trying to put back some hits that are 105 mile an hour rockets into the outfield. Like that's probably, an, it's probably a hit in most leagues, but at the same time, they're playing this, the shift on Joey Gallo with a runner at third base in a tight game that puts the game winning run on first. Like that was the, that was what was trending on Twitter the other day. And they're just talking about that. So I don't know. I think, I think you're trying to hit all the wrong things. I think they're in a scramble mode right now uh, as a league. And uh, it's kind of, it's tough. You're going to hear from Tyson Ross today, actually, in this interview where he's going to hit on it. Uh, we didn't mean to pigeonhole you, Tyson. <laughs> I really <laughs> didn't want to do that, but you answered it well. And it's like, hey, even when this thing does get approved, you got to give the players time to get their arms in shape because you're not going to get on the mound and go competitive 110 pitches because that's no bullpen can simulate that as much as you try. So. Yeah. I don't know. That's a lot. Anyways, back to college baseball, just a couple other hitters, uh, Arizona two and two on the week. Um, they are ranked 16 still, uh, Liberty's cruising, uh, four and zero on the week, North Carolina five and zero on the week. Uh, they are your 15, 14 teams, some other good teams in the top 10 Oregon state, always a, a, a powerhouse. I would say, um, they went two and one on the week. First loss of the year for them. They're nine and one Vandy, uh, went out to our boys at Hawaii, uh, they are five and zero on the week. Uh, nice little trip out to Hawaii. Uh, Coach Hill and Coach Troop going to be making their way back to the mainland this next week, uh, and that's about it in terms of overall college baseball news. Also, our boys uh, over there in Georgia, Coach Strickland in the top twenty, uh, they're rolling as well. So, hey, I'm pulling for those guys. The the, the MLU bump on Champion School is a real thing. We've talked about it. That's going to do it for our major headlines in college baseball. Let's get it on to the good news of the week. Good news of the week. Uh, obviously, the world, there's a lot of crazy things going on in the world right now. Uh, but some positive coming out of this whole situation. Airbnb is stepping up big time. They have set up 100,000 refugees from Ukraine with free housing via Airbnb. How wild is that? Incredible. And we're looking at that's amazing. 2 million people have evacuated and you know 120th of them have housing now, which is pure insanity. So shouts out to them. And then the other thing uh, to our, our Canadian friends in the North, uh, there's 3,000 nights have been purchased on Airbnb in Ukraine to help fund some of those people trying to evacuate as well so and those were all out of canadian families that they're not staying there in airbnb in ukraine right now so um shouts out to our friends at airbnb and our friends in the great north uh yep. jingles 
big ups to Jingles. So uh, that was our two. Uh, number three, really cool article I'd read, and I want you to hear this. It, it, it's awesome. You know how we had talked about, hey, we want to put up some kind of service to provide uh, like a text service or, you know, some positivity. Mm-hmm. So uh, Westside Elementary in Healdsburg, California, Healdsburg Prune Packers, shouts out to Nick Viola, who just talked about them. Um, they put together a hotline to share pep talks and pieces of advice. This is a free hotline via an elementary school. And I, 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 want, to, I want to dial this and just, I think you're going to come out of this feeling better. So for those of you wondering, the number is 707-998-8410. You can call this, I believe, I would assume toll-free anytime. I don't know really what that means. But... Project by Westside School. Spanish translation from the youngster. <laughs> Please listen to the following options for encouraging messages. If you're feeling mad, frustrated, or nervous, press 1. If you need words of encouragement and life advice, press 2. If you need a pep talk from kindergartners, press 3. What are you feeling? If you need to pep hear talk. I want to hear the pep talk. Let's see number 3. If you would like... You can do it. Keep going. Don't give up. I love it. When you're feeling mad, you should take three deep breaths and think of things that make you happy. The thing that makes me happy is when and and I think of happy things will happen in the future, like going to a friend's house or a cousin's house. Bye. That is so good. The three (laughs) deep breaths. uh, My sister-in-law does that with my nephew, Jackson. All right, take three deep breaths. And it's amazing to see what happens to his face when he starts to take his deep breaths when he gets overwhelmed. (laughs) It's amazing. How cool is that, man? Wow. I love seeing good people do good things like that. Yeah. And and just look at the joy on your face, right? Like I called it this morning and I was like, ah, I'm feeling better. Uh, So shouts out to West Elementary down there in Hillsburg. Uh, we're going to move into this week's Chew on This, presented by Grinds. Hmm. Chew, Chew on, on this. This. <laughs> <laughs> yep. this week's Chew on This is something that we've been talking a lot about this week, and, and it's been a short week. It's Tuesday uh, in our time, but when you hear this, it'll be a Sunday. And we've been talking a lot about values. We did it in our leadership program the other night, and we were talking all about what do values mean, what is the importance of them, and why do we even create them in the first place. If we were to take a week-long trip and in scope into your life, we would see what you value most. And so there's one thing with this is like there's got to be a purpose behind our values and some of the the kids say wisdom or joy or happiness family right it's a big one maybe your athletics or whatever sports you play grades could be a value but finding the things that are valuable to you that mean a lot to you that never really change now over time if you're 18 right now in 10 years your values are probably going to change if you're 25 and you're into 45 your values are going to change over time so they are revolving here and there but there are a few ones that stick forever and i think it's important for us to have those values that we can anchor ourselves back down in when we feel hopeless or we feel self-doubt creeping in we get overwhelmed go back to your values and are you living up to your values evaluate yourself off of your values if mine's integrity, am I living through integrity? Yes, perfect. I'm doing a good job. No, then maybe I need to adjust. So our values tell us a lot about where we're going and the things that we're feeling, and they can allow us to have that firm foundation to get through any situation. So we've been doing a lot, something that is kind of good news of the week too, in a way, 
went to Anthem Prep, uh, the high school and middle school yesterday, and there's seventh to 12th graders. Now these kids are incredibly intelligent. They're next level thinkers. And they do this leadership class every day, right? It's, it's 45 minutes or so during their lunch. And they just had a talk on values from a woman who does great stuff in the Valley a couple of weeks ago. And I mentioned values in the talk that I was giving. I said, you know, it's kind of hard for a seventh grader or a sixth grader to know their values, right? I just kind of said it. And the teacher at the end said, hey, awesome job, but I want to challenge you on one thing. I want to see if a couple of our kids in here remember their values from the couple of weeks ago. Because I would say that they do know their values. And I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? This is next level. So he calls on two different people, a little girl, a little boy, both seventh graders. And they named off their values, all four or five values. The first girl's like wisdom, adventure, travel, like these types of things. I'm like, what? This is incredible. Awesome. So know your values, anchor yourself in your values. Those are not going to change. The results change, the outcomes change, the ways of life are going to happen. But if you have your values, you can get through any situation, even if it is really intense and difficult. What's a way for our listeners to go and, and kind of chart these out or find their values for themselves? There's some really good charts online that have a whole list of values. So if you want to do it as your family or maybe as a team, if you, if you guys have a sports team, even just for yourself personally, there's a big old list. You just type in list of core values online. They'll pop up a couple of different lists. Find the list that you like with a bunch of words that might stick out to you and then pick your five to seven. And then ideally, hey, seven to 10 and then write them down and then circle your most five important ones. I like the number five because it's more than three. It's not too many, but it's not like just a few. Five just seems like a good honey hole for me. So I would go on there, circle the ones that you like the most, boom, and then eliminate down to your five core values that you can live off of. And, and you can do that cool exercise with your family too, right? So pretty easy accessibility. You just look online and then for you just writing it down in a journal, putting it on paper, making it real. Yeah, I'm, I agree. Anchor yourself. Uh, always something you can turn back to. And your happiness a lot of times is just how in line are you? Like, are you living mm -hmm. in line? And that's just, that's going to be how you're, you're going to waver. So uh, anyways, that, that, that's the wisdom nugget of the day right there by Coach Damn. Ray Mack. Uh, well, hey, there's going to be a lot more wisdom nuggets coming up with Tyson Rouse here. He's got a little bit more wisdom than me. Not much. We're about the same age. So, uh, but a Berkeley guy, again, multi-year big league veteran uh, and an M or not an MVP, he had an all-star uh, when he was, I believe, with the Padres at the time. Uh, so we're going to jump into his story. You're going to take a lot out of this. So make sure you stick around to the end and we will be back. Tyson Ross. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Champion School. We got the whole squad in today. We got JP, we got Ray Mack, and a very special guest, Tyson Ross, former second-round draft pick. Uh, played with a bunch of different teams, man. This dude's been all over the place. He's done a lot of really good things, but more importantly, off the field, has done a lot of great things for his community up there in the Bay Area. Uh, Tyson, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Man, we're stoked to, to see you here. We've heard, obviously, we've heard great things in the past, and then we've spoken with you a few times, and uh, your character shines through, man. It's been amazing, and just how you're using your platform to do good for others and for your community is amazing, so we're super excited, man. But uh, let's dive into your story, man. What really got you into baseball in the first place, and kind of take us through your journey through professional sports and um, how that's all kind of come about here the last 10, 15 years? Uh, yeah, so baseball started early for me. Uh, I'm the oldest of three. Uh, I think I probably started playing t-ball when I was about four years old and uh, you know it was kind of a way of life like like every weekend uh, the whole family was down at the baseball field 
I played, my sister played, my brother played, and uh, my mom and dad both coached. So, uh, you know, all five Rosses were at the baseball field all day, every day. And, you know, it was just, it was a great childhood growing up in Oakland. Uh, baseball was thriving back then. And, uh, you know, it was just a lot of fun. Obviously being from Oakland, man, how special was it to go play for the San Francisco Giants living in the Bay Area, getting a little bit of time there? How, how awesome was that? Uh, you know what? That was cool. That was uh, that was more recently. So that was uh, 2020. And then with COVID, I actually opted out. So I didn't get to play that season, but I was excited just to put on, you know, the uniform of a local Bay Area team again. I actually started my career with the A's. I was drafted. Uh, you know, I stayed local a long time, as long as possible. So yeah. I grew up in Oakland, went to Bishop Without High School. Then I went to Cal Berkeley for three years, was drafted by the A's. I got lucky. I was right place, right time, doing the right thing. And Flew through the minor league system, spent about one full season in the minors before I made my debut in 2010 with the Oakland A's at home. So, you know, the, the beginning part of my career was great because I was I was playing at home in a, in a stadium. I went to, you know, countless games, too, as a kid, you know, for my hometown team. The, the results on the field weren't great, but I was young. I was learning. Uh, you know, I kind of had to take my, uh, my lumps and bruises to kind of figure out, you know, what didn't work at that level so that I could have future, future success down the line. That's huge. And, and Ray, I'll kick it off to you in a second. But talk talk through us, Tyson, too, with going in there, right? You you speed through the minor leagues. I mean, you got through the minor leagues quicker than most people. And uh, you get up into the big leagues, right? You're pitching for the hometown squad. You're in the Bay Area, right? It's probably a dream come true for you. Um, and then you have some speed bumps. Like, how important is that for not only a rookie, but for an athlete to go through and experience some of those failures early on? And what are some things that you might have learned from that experience that you, that you went through there? Uh, yeah, I mean – Failure is part of the game. It's it's hard when you're when you're young and talented. You know, sometimes that failure comes delayed, like it did for me. You know, a lot of people. You get to college, you kind of hit a road bump. You're younger, facing some you know some more experienced players at that at that age. Uh, you know, I kind of got into college and, and kind of fit right in with with uh, you know what the older guys were doing. Same with getting into the minor leagues. So you know, failure is going to come at whatever point it does in your career. You know, you got to use it as a tool. Like that's a that's a navigation saying, Hey, this way that you're going, that's not working. You got to learn how to pivot and make an adjustment. And so I had the privilege of learning at the big league level, which, you know, those lessons were hard fought because you can see every single, every single mistake I made is on the back of a baseball card, you know, it was on the highlights the next day of me giving up homers and things, but you know, that's what you want to learn. It's how to get the best out. And sometimes you got to learn how to fail first before you learn how to succeed. For you, your brother, uh, Joe, right? He, yeah. what's the age gap there for you guys? Uh, he's six years younger. Okay. So you guys have a little bit of a gap. What was it like having both of you guys moving into the big league realm uh, and for your parents, especially watching this all kind of come to come to fruition? Uh, you know, it's pretty crazy because, because of the big, big age gap, he was exposed to things at a much younger age than I was. So, you know, uh, me being the oldest, I got into high school. I didn't know what varsity baseball looked like. I got into college. I didn't know what division one baseball looked like, but for Joe, he was, he was just a kid. So he was watching his older brother, seeing this path lay out thinking, Oh yeah, that's just what you do. You go, you go, you play varsity, you go into college and you're like, you play, you're the Saturday guy. And then you move into the Friday slot. Like, you know, he was, he was hanging out. I was 18 in the dorms. He was 12 years old, hanging out in the dorms, playing video games talking trash to D1 players, you know, thinking yeah. it was just normal. <laughs> you know, by the time I was in the big leagues, uh, he was like a sophomore, junior in high school and hanging out in the tunnel and getting passes to games and pulling into the players' lot. So, you know, like the the reality of of what he saw as what was potentially possible was 
it was just laid out there for him. And he's like, oh yeah, like Tyson does it. I can do it. So for him, you know, he kind of had a roadmap and he had a, a belief that he could do it. Myself, I had to look to people I didn't know, but came from the same situation. So, you know, growing up, I looked, to, I looked up to, uh, you know, Dontrell Willis, Jimmy Rollins and uh, CC Sabathia, because I was like, Hey, those guys are from the Bay area and they're doing what I want to do. So let me just, you know, hold on to, hold on to watching their careers and, and believe that I can do it too. And just, you know, keep plugging away basically. And then my parents just love it. You know, they're, they're sports fans the whole way. Uh, you know, they've gotten to go to so many cool things, all-star games, world series. And, uh, you know, they, they love the game of baseball. They started their love when we were young, four years old, you know, with coaching and then, you know, watching us go through high school, college, minor leagues, pro, you know, they're just enjoying it. It's I'm sure it's been a crazy ride for them and uh, for your family as a whole. Uh, for you, you said, obviously, CC is one of those Bay guys, and, and he's another dude that's huge in the community um, and helping outside of baseball. Um, I know Ken Griffey was one of those guys I think you faced early on in your career. Can you walk us through that? I know that's uh, one of the highlights for me that I've read. That I was just like, I loved Griffey, and, and I'm sure you did, too. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm 34. I think everyone around our age loves Griffey. Yeah. You know, growing up playing Ken Griffey Jr. baseball, I had his yeah. cleats, I had his yeah. sneakers, I had everything. And uh, yeah, in my in my debut, I was against the Mariners back in April 2010. That was when he returned to them at the end of his career. And uh, yeah, Griffey was actually my second major league strikeout. So I think I threw him a three two <laughs> sinker, and he swung swung and missed. And I think I was like, oh shit! Like I can't <laughs> believe that just happened. You know? Yeah. Uh, it was. It's yeah. cool, especially when you get to play this game. You know, as long as I have, and and some of your idols become your rivals on the field. It's it's a really special thing. And you know, there's there's countless guys that I've looked up to growing up and then either got to compete against or call teammates along the way. It's been really cool. That's awesome. JP, go ahead. Yeah. So I wanted to switch gears a little bit kind of to the human side of the game. And you were gracious enough to answer a few questions on finding your identity outside of the game. And that's something we touch on a lot at Major League University is developing your foundation, developing routines to kind of help bring you back and pull you back from the game and find out like who you really are. And you talked a lot about how like traveling and going to museums were some of the, the passions that you really developed. How did those help you um, uh, finding those passions outside of the game, help you within the game? Uh, it's just, it was really about balance more than anything. Yeah. You know, everything we do is, is so, so focused on performance, recovery, preparation, uh, and it, you just get caught in this cycle of, of the same thing over and over again. And, and, you know, this is our livelihood. You, you live and die by your success on the field. And when things are going good out there, maybe it impacts you off the field as things are going good, but you know, you're going to have rough patches on the field and you got to find a way to have something outside of the game to, to kind of keep you neutral, keep you balanced and, and just kind of level-headed. So, uh, you know, I kind of leaned into some things that I had just experienced through life, especially in the off seasons and, you know, I, I, look, I really enjoy traveling, um, you know, experiencing new things, new cultures. And then going to museums was a way that in season I could kind of tap into that a little bit. You know, I could walk into a museum in Philadelphia and it had nothing to do with baseball. I had a few hours to kill before the game. It was better than sitting in the room and watching Netflix and ordering room service. And, you know, I could I could be transported to another part of the world looking at, you know, ancient armor from medieval times or something like that. And you know, just really enjoy being present in that moment and, and engulfed in that atmosphere. And then, you know, remove myself from that, get on the bus, go to the ball yard and, uh, you know, get ready to, to play a game. So, 
um, you know, having having that duality and that and that balance in life, I think, is important. And it's it's hard to find sometimes because you get wrapped up in what you're doing in your career and you know what's going going to happen ahead ahead of you. You know, sometimes you just got to do things to bring you back to that present moment. Yeah, and I, I think we all go through that. Even in general, in the general population, we get wrapped up in our work and our performances and our daily jobs. We kind of take that to heart and think that represents who we are and things like that. Did you have a favorite museum that you went to? Oh, man. Um, there's a museum in Chicago that's right around the corner from the hotel. I think it's a contemporary art museum. And I've gone through there a few times and, and they seem to change up their installations a little bit more quickly than the other ones. It's a smaller one, but it's, it's really cool. I got to see some, uh, uh, I can't remember the Japanese artist's name. I think it's like Takashi Miromoto maybe that, that did like the Kanye West graduation album and homecoming. And, uh, and they actually had like a, like a four foot statue of the, the Kanye bear. And then they had, you know, a bunch of different things that were different and, and, uh, you know, larger than life sculptures in a small museum, like a block and a half from the hotel in Chicago. That was probably one of my favorites. That's so good. I love the experiences too. And you mentioned the balance part, uh, obviously hard to find when you're on the road all the time and you're playing a ton of games and the grind of the season, right? Mentally and physically takes a toll. You've played for a long time, right? You've had a lot of success throughout your career. You, you were quick up into the big leagues, right? You obviously had a lot of success in college as well. What does it take to sustain success at that high of a level? We see one of the, the key things that stuck out to me as a pitching coach with the Diamondbacks. And he always mentioned, he said, Hey, it's one thing to get there. It's another thing to stay there. Um, what does it take from your opinion, from what you've seen over the last 10, 15 years of like, what does it take for an athlete to stick in the major leagues and to stay around for a while? Uh, I think the biggest thing is the ability to, ability to adapt. You know, I kind of found early on after all my failures in Oakland, I, I kind of switched my mindset and, and had, a, you know, in my phone, I had this app and then just the notes and I was just, you know, I call it get better every day. And every day I just kind of jot down like, hey, this is what I was working on. This is what I did to get better and better and better. And once I kind of switched my mindset to that, just to that growth mindset, uh, it didn't, the results didn't come immediately, but they, they were starting. I was trending in the right direction. So I think I started that in 2011, 2012. If you look at the back of a baseball card, you're like, whatever he did last year wasn't working because he, he was terrible. But I kind of, <laughs> I kind of set this yeah. foundation of like, hey, man, I'm just going to take one step forward every day and get better at something and you know whatever happens happens and you know once I, I kind of had that that switch flip in my mind uh you know I was taking steps that might not have been in the right direction but once I find that I found that right path and I already had that that routine of like I'm getting better every single day and then I found that right path I just kept going and going and going and I think that's what it takes because uh you know the game keeps evolving players keep getting better they keep getting younger and stronger so you know, you see these guys like Scherzer, the 37, 38 that are still doing it. He's not just like, ah, I'm as good as I'm going to be. Like he's out there working his butt off every day, trying to get better. And, you know, the stories my brother has said about him, I'm like, yeah, that guy's, that guy's getting after it every day and he's trying to get better and better and better. And, you know, the results are shown on the field. It's incredible to see that, especially guys at that age who are still that elite. And I mean, his stuff is disgusting. And obviously the competitiveness that he shows on the field is second to none. So seeing that and at a firsthand level, right, for you as well. And I love the the switch, though, for you. It's like, hey, man, I'm just going to keep getting better. Whatever I can control, I'm going to keep getting better and better and better, keep putting in the work. And at least uh, we feel better about it. There's a great quote, Tony Robbins. I love listening to his stuff and it says progress equals happiness. I think so many times we get stuck in the monotony or the result side and for 
for you, finding that progress daily, even throughout a long season like the MLB is so important. Um, what about now? What are you doing now to get back into it and, and to train? Like what does an off-season training look like? So a lot of people are like, hey, man, professional athletes, they play for six, seven, eight months out of the year, and then the next four, they don't do anything. And it is totally not the case. You guys are grinding. You're working hard. You got the infrared in the back. I love it. Uh, what are some things that you're doing now? And maybe how has your training evolved over the last few years uh, to put yourself in the, the best position to go out there and compete at a high level? Uh, yeah, these days, actually, um, luckily, I was able to be successful in my career and, and be able to afford a house, you know, here in California. And, and I've, you know, the first thing we did, I think we had a kitchen table and I built out my garage gym. So, uh, you know, we were, we were sitting on the floor eating and we didn't have chairs yet, but I, I was able to get up in the morning and work out and, and get what I needed done. And, you know, like you were saying, a lot of our time in the off season is spent training. Uh, it's, it's not sitting back by the pool, sipping on margaritas. And, uh, and so, yeah, I've got a, I've got a garage gym. I can get up at seven in the morning, roll out of bed, looking crazy and go down there and get it in. And, uh, you know, I probably train four to four to five days a week, uh, currently in school too. So I got to wake up early get my workouts in before school and before the kids are up. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's another thing, just trying to find that balance, make sure I get my work in, make sure I spend my family time. And then I'm also balancing, uh, you know, going back to school and trying to finish my degree at Cal right now. It's so awesome, man. Good for you too, going back, getting that degree and, and you're doing it with trying to obviously play professional. That's a big part of it. Then you have kids right on top yeah. of that. You have a family, you have a house, right? There's a lot going on, man. Uh, which is a good thing, right? I think it's awesome. Ray, I'll kick it off to you. Yeah, what's the what's it been like since having? How old are your kids, by the way? Uh, my oldest will be three in May, and then my youngest is uh, almost three months. Jeez, and has that just completely changed like your outlook on everything, or like <clears throat> like you said, balance? But like, mm -hmm. how has that changed you attacking your day to day? Uh, you know what? I'm I'm much more efficient with my time. I used to yeah. you know waste <laughs> time all the time doing who knows what, and now I'm like, okay, I got to get this in you know, these are, these are the priorities for the day. And I gotta, I gotta make sure I do this. And then if there's time at the end of the day, maybe I can hit some golf balls or something like that. But, uh, you know, it, it's just kind of made me grow up a little bit, be a little bit more, uh, um, selfless with my time. Yeah. Uh, how was your golf game? It's terrible. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see it being good for at least, uh, I got probably 17 years and, for what however many months till to, to those kids are out of the house and I can focus on it <laughs> that's right you you're you've had so many big things come up in your career right and you just so many high achievements the all-star game for me is one that I think sticks out clearly but what's one thing you're most proud of that you've had happen uh in your career or even in just in life that's a good question I'd say I'd say probably that one of the biggest obstacles I had to overcome was was coming back and having the season I had in 2018 you know, I, I had a, a major injury in 2016. Uh, you know, I worked really hard to get to that point where I was named opening day starter. I knew I was injured. Uh, you know, I was hoping once the lights came on, I was able, I'd be able to gut it out. But, you know, things went sideways real quick and I couldn't even lift my arm the next day. So, Damn. you know, in 2016, I ended up pitching opening day, getting hit around and then being injured for the rest of that season, which resulted in, in uh, lots of lots of therapy and doctor's visits to finally figure out I had thoracic outlet syndrome and uh which required surgery and knocked me out for, you know, that season was lost at that point. But then 2017, I went to Texas rehabbing, uh, you know, tried to come back during a rehab year, which is, you know, it's hard enough to pitch at the major league level, but especially when you're banged up and coming out of a surgery, it's, it's pretty tough. So um, 2017 is probably a low point 
in my career and, and life just because, you know, I was pretty down at the end of that season, ended up getting getting released towards the end of the season. And, uh, you know, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to make it back again. And that off season, you know, I basically was like, I got two options, man. I can either give up or I can keep going. And, uh, you know, finding balance, like I was talking about earlier with the museums and stuff. 2017 is actually when I first got into golf. I was like, you know, moping around the house at home, you know, season's still going on. And I was like, you know what? I need something else outside of baseball to put my mind on so I can, I can put in the work on the baseball side and then I can also go and do something else you know, that has nothing to do with it. So I went out, bought some golf clubs, started playing. And then I also went, went really hard in the gym and, and basically taught myself how to throw again. Um, and after that surgery, that's what I needed. I needed to learn how to throw again and put in the work, was able to sign a minor league deal with the Padres, returned to San Diego where I had some, some previous success uh, working with the pitching coach that I knew there very well and put together a pretty good season with them. Um, and yeah, that's probably one of the things I was most proud about. Um, I forget what month it was, but I had a game in Arizona where I, I came pretty close to throwing a no hitter, which would have been the first in Padres history. And, you know, it just all kind of worked out pretty crazy. The uh, the surgeon that did my TOS surgery was in attendance and you know, <laughs> had him come down to the clubhouse afterwards. And, you know, he was really excited to see me. Clayton Richard was another pitcher that had TOS done by Dr. Thompson. And, you know, I didn't get, I didn't throw a no hitter, but I, it was one of the best games of my career. And just, you know, knowing everything I had to overcome to get to that point made that one of the more special mem uh, memories for me. That's a badass story. Yeah, <laughs> Go ahead, Jared. Yeah. I guess the, the last question I have is kind of related to relationship building. I think the, for all of us, the, the reason we've gotten to where we are is just having mentors along the way to help guide us and uh, provide uh, insights and things like that. Do you have one mentor uh, that's helped you along your career? Uh, yeah. So I'd say the biggest mentor for me, her name is Michelle Lewis. She was uh, she was like the founder and principal basically of my middle school growing up. And, uh, you know, it was it was a special school. It was a it was a private school that that. Um, you know, it wasn't affiliated with a religion or anything, but they were really kind of focused on the development of children and, and encouraging them, you know, with love and support. So I don't even know how to explain it, but, you know, and, and at a young age, I was learning about, you know, heroes like Mahatma Gandhi, Martin Luther King, uh, Muhammad Ali. We probably spent half the year on Muhammad Ali when I was in like third or fourth grade and just, just learn about different heroes and, and what makes people special and, and kind of really encouraging kids and people to go forward and, and believe in your dreams. And, you know, Michelle has been a good friend my entire life and she texts me all the time. You know, anytime I was going through a rough patch in, in my career, she would always reach out and just say, young man, you got this, you got this. And so, you know, there was always that support of her in the background, no matter where I was, I could have just given up 10 runs in Tampa, but like there was going to be a text message coming through, you know, showing love and support and telling me to, you know, keep going and, you know, she's probably been a great mentor for me and, and everyone, you know, that comes through the doors of that school at Northern, Northern Light in Oakland. That, that's awesome. I mean, that's just a prime example of uh, the people who are around you will love you no matter how you perform. So that's, that's mm -hmm. great. Yeah, that's incredible, man. And I love seeing and hearing different mentors too that have poured into our life. And it comes in all different fashions. I mean, friends, teachers, principals, coaches, right? Those play a big influence on our lives too. And um, to hear that, how the, the profound impact that's had, to learn it at a young age, I think there, there's got to be more of that happening in our world today, just giving kids outlets and, and those types of things. And that's where I kind of want to transition to 
your foundation. I mean, you're doing a ton of great things there, uh, hosting youth camps in Oakland uh, and all across the Bay Area for kids. Um, uh, as far as I'm understanding is underprivileged and maybe low income kids who just don't have as many resources to get to those clinics that um, a lot of kids might have in those areas. Um, what has that meant to you? What are you guys doing with your foundation? What are some of the things that you guys do throughout the year? How can people get involved? How can they support? How can they uh, just be a part of what you guys have going on there? Uh, yeah. So the foundation is called Loyal to My Soil. And basically what we do is we put on free baseball camps uh, for kids in, in the Bay Area. Uh, you know, the target audience is, uh, you know, inner city kids and, and kind of removing that uh, financial financial barrier that keeps so many people out of playing the game and, and trying to trying to achieve their dreams within the game of baseball. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I grew up in Oakland. Uh, baseball was a huge part of the culture down there. You know, we had we had hundreds of kids out there playing at the, at the youth level. And, uh, you know, that number's kind of reduced significantly over the years. So this is my answer is of how to get people back into the game of baseball. You know, like as a kid, I looked up to to CC and Dontrell and, and Jimmy Rollins. And, you know, I think the closest I came to any of those guys was was I saw Jimmy hitting the, the local batting cage one time in the offseason, but never got to talk to him, never got to work out with him, never got to learn from him. But just seeing him in person, hearing the sound of the crack of the bat was enough for me to, to keep trying to achieve my dreams. And so what I'm trying to do is bring back players and directly engage with kids in the community and show them what we have, have to offer. And, and, you know, Hey, I came from where you came from, you know, listen to me, learn these skills and you can do it too. So, you know, it's been pretty special. We've had a, a lot of really cool big leaguers out there. Uh, myself, my brother, uh, Willie McGee has been out at camps, uh, Vita Blue, uh, Shooty Babbitt, Bip Roberts, and all these guys in the community, you know, are super gracious for their time. And, you know, I don't think kids really realize like, like the value of the information that they're learning and the people they get to rub elbows with at these clinics. But, uh, you know, down the road, I, I hope, I hope to see some of these kids really stick with the game of baseball. And, you know, if, if they don't make it to the major leagues, that's not what it's about. It's about, you know, learning, learn the, the value of the game, the, the life lessons that come with, you know, grinding it out, learning how to deal with failure, everything that comes with being a ball player. That's one of my favorite things about you, Tyson, too, is obviously the the statistical success, right, and the, and the experience in the majors and college and all the things you've been through as an athlete-wise, but the things you're doing off the field for these kids, just seeing you in that community, knowing that you came from there, too, they can look up to you, they can see you as a mentor, somebody that they can lean on, and they get the experience to hang out with you, your brother, and so many influential people within the baseball community. I think that's incredible, and um, I highly encourage anybody – listening to this or that sees this to get involved, get involved however you can, right? Find a way um, to help out with this because our kids need it more than ever. And I think at this point, you're providing such a positive outlet and resource that, like you said, they might not make it to the MLB, but maybe that keeps that kid in school through high school or gets them to college or find something in them that they can be passionate about, that they can go chase their dreams. Um, I love that, man. One more question, and then we'll wrap it off to Ray Mac for a little game action. We'll, we'll have some fun there. Um, and we got to get our projects in like NFT involved with this. I'm sure Ray Mac's got <laughs> some things for that too because I think it'd be awesome to do but um what drives you Tyson you're an elite level competitor so many we get these questions all the time like what drives the best of the best you're considered one of the best of the best right you're the top one percenter what drives you daily what what is like that work ethic look like like, like what is that thing that just pushes that passion button uh, to the next level for you uh, you know, it's just that like looking in the background, it says, follow your dreams. Mm. Uh, you know, that's what started this all. You know, as a kid, I, I love playing baseball. I love watching baseball. That was my dream was to be a ball player. And uh, along the way, 
you know, I found, I found success and I knew at some point it was going to be over. And, you know, early in my, my career, I, I had some failures and things like that. Uh, I just knew at the end of the day, like, like whenever this career was over, I wanted to be able to look myself in the mirror and say, I put everything into this that I have and, uh, you know, good, bad, or the other, I knew that's all I could control was my effort into it and, and the passion and, and drive, you know, there's days where I wake up and I'm sick and I'm like, man, I I'd love to just lay in bed and watch, watch TV all day, but you know, that's not going to get me, you know, get me better. So that's, that's basically my driving force is knowing at the end of this thing, I'm going to have to be able to look myself in the mirror and know that I put everything I have into it. And that's why I got the results that I got. And, you know, once I had that mindset that, that was part of that, that switch being flipped and, you know, I put the Xbox controller down and started like getting to work. And, you know, that's, you know, looking back, I've had ups and downs, but I am where I am today because if I've had that mindset. Absolutely incredible, man. I appreciate you sharing that too. Ray Mac, I'll kick it off to you. Speaking of Xbox controllers, we got we have one of those as a category today. We have <laughs> on it or off it is the game we play with our guests. Um, All right. We're going to go through a list of 10 things. You're going to say you're either on it, you're for it, you're off it. It's not your thing. And then just a quick sentence as to why. Okay. We, we also threw, we threw a couple NFTs in here. Just We know you're a fan. We know you're a supporter <laughs> of Project Sandlot. So you got to tell us whether you're on it or off it with those two. Number one, Disneyland. Off it. I hate lines. Way, way too many lines for me. I'm sure I'm going to have to suck it up here once the boys get bigger and, and we're going to go down there. And, uh, you know, I'm going to have to get my fast pass and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, off it. They're going to love Disneyland, I'm sure, too. Uh, I'm sure, yeah. Uh, Golden State Warriors. Uh, on it, except for the move to San Francisco. Oh. Yeah. I, I, I love the Warriors, man. They're a lot of fun to, to watch. It was great when they were at Oracle. Uh, even back when they were bad, I enjoyed watching them. But uh, yeah, that that move to the city is tough now. It, it makes it a little bit harder to get to games. Yep, I hear you. Uh, e40 on it. Yeah, forty's <laughs> a goat, man. Yeah, yeah. Is he on driving your, the culture uh, for what forty years now? It's crazy. He just keeps going and going. Is he on the pregame playlist? Oh man, he's on. He makes it on every playlist somehow. It doesn't have to be RB, and you get an e40 mix, you know, song mixed in there. Yep, there you go. Uh, cool cats NFT. Cool cats. Uh, off it because I don't have one. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so there's so many that, you know, they're cool projects and, and doing well. And I'm like, you know, if I was, if I was in on it, I'd, I'd be down. But, you know, some of the sometimes you, just, you can't have that that FOMO and that, uh, you know, that jealousy of, of not being in on a project. That's advice everyone needs it to take. Moving forward. Yeah. <laughs> um, bye. Put this one out there. You're from the Bay. Cream ice cream sandwiches. Have you been to that shop? You know what? I walk by it all the time. I'm off it just because I, I haven't had it. Uh, there's one in Berkeley. I, I walk by it all the time, but there's a, a spot in Berkeley. If I'm going to get ice cream, uh, Yogurt Park's my spot. Okay. Ooh, okay. I like Bye. cream, man. Eh? Cream is great. Eh? If you get the chance, <laughs> yeah. pop in there. Great sandwich. Boom. Uh, rip it off. Is that like the cookie cookie sandwich, ice cream sandwich? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. San Diego, they had baked bear that was like that. It was fire. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'll, check, I'll check it out for you. <laughs> nice. There you go. Um, bat flips on home runs. Uh, I'm on it. I don't care. If I threw a bat pitch and you hit it, go for it, man. <laughs> yeah. Just don't cry about getting called on, on the corners. Right. <laughs> like you're looking, that's a strike, bro. Just take it and sit down. <laughs> um, doodles NFT. Uh, doodles off it. Same thing. You yeah. know, it was one early on. I can't remember if it was Cool Cats or Doodles, but I remember seeing seeing the project and I was like, I should probably get into this. It looks, I think it was Cool Cats, and I was I was like, 
to switch back to it but i was like people love cats like this will probably be what like do well and then i just like didn't pay attention and missed the mint or whatever and now i'm like kicking myself but yeah doodles uh my buddy matt caesar bought a doodle and i was like bro that's a big purchase he's like yeah my financial guy's pissed but like I had to, it was <laughs> had to do it but yeah it's, it's cool to see it's cool to see projects uh you know just take off and and just know that 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 opportunity is out there for for every project in that nft space just with the right community and you know right momentum at the right time it can happen 100 uh three more uh halo over cod Ooh. oh man I played I played more Call of Duty. Okay. But uh Halo Halo was like the originator. So I'll go with Halo because yeah, that's where it all started. What was your best COD? What was your best Call of Duty? Oh, like like, like KD ratio or what? Yeah. <laughs> I was I was more of just that Leroy Jenkins like straight kamikaze <laughs> like let yeah. me see let me see what kind of like crazy damage I can do in a run before I just get murdered and uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I was never too serious about it but I enjoyed playing. Yeah, very good. Uh how about V friends? Were you on Gary V's V friends at all? Uh I am on it. I missed out on that one too. I was you know, you know probably a year and a half, two years ago, I had a buddy tell me about Gary Vee. I'm like, hey, pay attention to this dude. Everything he does is smart. And at that point, he was just talking about content, content, content. And I was like, bro, I hate social media. It's <laughs> it's more work than anything. So like, I didn't pay attention. I knew he had Vee friends coming out. At that point, I wasn't even in into buying NFTs. I knew about the space. Uh, you know, I knew about the space going back to like this time last year. And I just, you know, I think I helped a buddy sell something, but I didn't buy anything for until like the end of the summer. And I look back, I'm like, dang, if I would have just been paying attention, you know, there's a lot of really good projects I could have been in into early. I think we're all early in the space still, but uh, I am on on Gary V. You know, he moves the needle in this space and, uh, you know, he's got such a big audience and, and is very influential. And I think he's doing things, uh, you know, the right way. I do too. V Friends Series 2 coming out here pretty soon. Uh, last one MLB starting on time. <laughs> uh, I'm off it because there's no chance that they start on time. I think, I think the one thing that, you know, everyone wants to start on time, players want to play. But the one thing that people don't realize is like, you got to give players that time, a spring training to, to get in shape. Everyone's, everyone's, you know, guys are throwing 100 miles an hour and hitting the ball 400 feet, but you just need, need those game reps to get everything crispy and then you also need that time just to get the body you know standing at least for four hours every day you got to break that in too so uh there's a lot of injuries early in the season typically as it is and i'd hate to see them rush into it and, and get guys hurt uh just to you know get the full 162 in there but hopefully they can end this thing soon and uh you know get some baseball on the field this is a very well-spoken answer. Uh, we didn't. I didn't <laughs> want to pigeonhole you on that one at all. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, great job, man. Great yeah, job. Thank you. Uh, no, Tyson, we appreciate your time today, man. We appreciate you joining us here for this. Uh, we love what you're doing, man. We're big fans. We're pulling for you this spring as you guys get out there. And obviously with your degree, too, that's amazing that you're going back and accomplishing that as well. So we're sending the best to you, your family, your training, everything, and your future opportunities, man. We're pulling for you. Uh, and we're grateful for you to join us today. Hey, man, appreciate it. That was a lot of fun today. Awesome. We'll see you. All right. All right, we're back. Uh, Shout out to Tyson, first of all, for sitting down and spending time with us. Um, He does so much off the field on top of having a family, on top of taking care of his body and and living the big league lifestyle. 
but he's taking care of communities too. Um, huge, huge addition to our Sandlot team as just a holder, but what an awesome person for the Bay Area to represent baseball, to represent his community. Uh, what do you think about our sit down with Tyson? He's an incredible guy and just an awesome human being. His values. I mean, he's going back to school for his education. Like, come on, yeah. this dude's he, he's next level with, with what he does. And he works hard. He had a lot of value there for his communities. And just the things that he's doing with his foundation for underprivileged youth is so incredibly admirable. We love to see it. And the, the thing I never spoke to Tyson before, maybe three or four months ago when we got into our NFT project. And I remember hearing from a couple of coaches up in Northern California of like, hey, who are like some of the more influential people up here who are doing a lot of good things for the community? And it was like three or four different coaches and all of them named Tyson, right? In different yeah. parts of the Bay. So hearing that and then reaffirming it. And then when we spoke to him, so genuine, so nice, so kind in the things he's doing outside of his baseball experience of his own playing career, right? Because that's enough right there to deal with is amazing. And I love the fact that he mentioned, hey, find some time for yourself, get away, go see the museums, go do like some cool stuff on your trips instead of just sitting in the hotel room, ordering a bunch of room service and just withering away on your phone, right? Like, go live with these experiences and make the most out of what you get because you never know when it's going to end. So I thought he was awesome, man. What about you? Yeah, I thought it was great. I mean, I was fortunate to meet his brother actually down in San Diego. Uh, he's working out in the off season with Slater and some of those other dudes. Uh, and I was like, dude, this, this guy himself is a stand-up guy. And then you get to meet his brother and it's like, well, he got to watch this guy grow up. You know, there's, he talked about him being in the locker rooms and, uh, you know, slapping hands with some of the big league dudes, even like as a high schooler and coming up through that, like insane, insane lifestyle. And it's a testament to his parents, right, for raising them to, to, to pursue their dreams and not limiting them in any way and saying, hey, if you're going to do this, it's going to take a lot, but you can. And, and I think they are both living out their best lives. So shout out to Tyson. Uh, one last thing to wrap this thing up, and it's not on our brightest note, but uh, Katie Meyer, uh, goalie for Stanford, captain of the Stanford soccer team, uh, recently passed away. Really, really sad story. Took her own life. So uh, the parents had no idea, no signs, nothing. So I just wanted to say, leave this. If you need help, right, if you need to talk to somebody, the suicide line is 800-273-8255. Make sure you give that number a call. We'll put it on the screen, but it's just never worth it, man. There's, there's just so many, so many crazy things going on in these kids' lives and, and a lot of stress and pressure. And it's not just from, you know, the typical kids you might think it is. It's, this is a Stanford kid um, that seemed to have a lot going for, and, and I mean, a national champion in 2019 and a big part of it. So if you need help, our prayers are obviously with Katie and her family now. Uh, but if you need help, make sure you call that number again. It's 800-273-8255. That's going to do it for us. I hope you guys have a blessed week. We'll see you soon.